totally uh, bizarre from the way from the way that I lived my life. Um, but um, you know, from 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 an early age, you know, from an early age, I was took to the gym with my dad. You know, from um, that's where I started to box from. You know, um, my dad's my dad's sitting here. You know, he's uh, he's the reason I was a boxer. Um, my brother was a boxer. My, my my uncle was a boxer, and you know, I'm going to be a boxer. You know, you know, you know. But um, you know. It, Boxing is such a hard sport that you know it's uh, you know you've got to put a, a lot of dedication into it, um, and that's what I, and that's what I did. I, I just started off with my early early fights. Uh, I just first of all I just hanged around the gym till I was old enough to fight, and from the age you know from amateur boxing association rules you're not allowed to fight till you're eleven. So um, you know I had my first fight when I was eleven years of age, and. Um, and I just carried on. I just carried on. Um, I just carried on then all the way through, through the schoolboys, uh, winning mostly everything, um, winning the schoolboy championships, the junior championships, um, you know, the national association of boys clubs and stuff and stuff like that. You know, um, my school was never no. My school weight was never no good. I never wanted to get a school, to be honest. But but I was I was fighting at school as well. I was cock of the school when I was in the third year. You know, I was. I was known for as a as a scrapper, a reputation as a, you know, that sort of stuff. You know, I had loads of loads of fights on the street as well. Like I was known, you know, I was known as a as a hard kid to be honest. Um, you know, it just went went with the territory, went with what I did. You know, who I was and the, what it, you know, I was the sort of guy if somebody looked at me the wrong way, I'd, you know, they'd have a slap on the mouth. You know, was that sort of a you know that sort of a, a character, but um. You know, I carried on through the amateur career, you know, the schoolboys, juniors, up until like um, teenage years. Um, and then I was asked to box for box for England, which was, which was, you know, for any boxer to, to represent your country is, uh, is um, you know, is a, is a great achievement. It's, it's, you know, and uh, I did that a few times uh, with great success. I boxed um, in Germany, I boxed in Bulgaria, I boxed... Uh, you know, I boxed, I boxed, I boxed some really good lads. You know, I, I boxed the world amateur champion Raymond Garby from Cuba. You know, he was the world number one. I fought on the Wednesday, and I thought I fought him on the Thursday. I knocked the Bulgarian guy out on the Wednesday, and then I fought him Raymond Garby on the on the very next day on the Thursday. But I think my best performance I ever done is when is when my dad sitting there. Um, I was going to Germany. I was gonna. I was captain of the team. There was me, Robin Reed, and a lot of lads, and. Um, Gary Delaney and a few of the lads, you know, Billy Shure and, you know, so, you know some, some good fighters in the team. And um, I've got to tell you about this because it was 1988. I was 18 years of age. You know. the, uh, I, I was fighting their captain as well, you know. So, and he was a good lad. He was, he, was a good, he was a good boxer, to be honest. But before I left, before I left, my dad being my coach, being my coach, he knew my best, my best strengths. You know, he knew I could eat hard. He knew I was tough. I could take a punch, you know. I don't mind taking a punch to land a punch, to be honest, you know. Um, and uh, before I left for Germany, my dad said, Andy, he says, let him, he says, let him feel the strength here the first round. He says, put it on him in the first round, you know. And when I, um, when I got to Germany, we'd done all the national anthems, swap flags, you know, all our tracksuits in the ring, done all the parades, done all the stuff, you know. And uh, 
I looked at him like, because, you know, you look him up and down and that, you know, and I looked at him like, and he was very tall, very rangy, like, and, he, you know, he looked, he looked like, you know, he could box, you know, box a bit, you know, looked up. But um, I'd, hate, I'd hate to take none of that. And when I got, when I, when I got in the ring for the, uh, for the start of the contest, for the first, um, first pill, the England coach, he said to me, he said, Andy, he said, he said, they'll throw all your aces in the first round. You know, he says, uh, this guy's a good lad. He said, feel him out. He says, uh, feel him out. He says, let him, you know, he said, don't throw all your aces in the first round. I looked across the ring at him like, and I looked at him and I, he don't look as strong as me, I thought. Yeah, I'm going to do what my dad said, you know. So, I, so as soon as the first bell went, I rushed out and I just put it on him, non-stop barrage of punches. And, you know, I knocked him out in the first round. I stopped him in his own corner. He just sunk in, in a heap, you know, and, the, and I just, you know what I mean, just put my hands up, you know what I mean? And it was just, you know, that for just that feeling, that feeling, you know, just to, you know, do that for your country and everything, you know, it was just, just amazing. I was so ecstatic. I, you know, I think that was probably my best ever performance, you know. But when, let me just, um, also, while I was doing this as well, while I was doing this, I got the taste for alcohol. I got the taste for drinking. You know, I was just like any other normal teenager. You know, I just, um, I used to just celebrate, celebrate my fights. I just used to celebrate my fights with, um, you know, with having a, having a drink after. You know, and that's and that's and that's where the alcohol problem came from. To be honest, um, it was just like, and it was never a problem then. Um, it was just, it was just, uh, it was just like like anybody else growing up. You know, and. Um, that's it, you know. That that was that was great. I boxed for England that many times. Um, I decided to go professional at a, at a young age. Uh, I went professional just after my nineteenth birthday, you know. And um, within three years, I was boxing for the British middleweight title. And I had so many setbacks, like cuts around the eyes and stuff like that. But I still managed to get there in three years. Because like when you when you lose on a cut, I lot you know I lost a few fights with with a ref stop contest where, where you've got to you get a cut and then you've got to start again. You've got to build your wins up again. You know, and that's 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 you know to to lose on a cut when you've lost to somebody who ain't as good as you, but it goes down as a loss on your record. You know, but um, I managed to get up to the British middleweight title um, in three years. You know, as a as a professional, which is pretty good. And um, the fight was live on BBC One uh, on Sports Night. It was it was watched by millions. Um, BBC One. You know, I thought, yeah, I'm on Medit here now. You know. It's great, you know. It was uh, it was really good to be honest. And uh, when Harry Carpenter sat me down to interview me as well, I went, you know what I mean, Harry? You know, because because of the Frank Bruno thing, ain't it? You know, you know. But um, I loved it. I loved everything. I loved everything. What went with the with boxing? You know, a couple of lads here. You know, come up from Eastbourne. You know, boxers. You know, it's just once boxing's in your blood, it's it's such a you know it, it's you know it's it's hard to explain. It's um, it's it's just you can't pack it in. It's just like gives you a bug, and it's. Well, I mean, when you're sitting in the dressing room waiting to go out, you think, oh, you think all sorts. Why am I doing this? Oh, oh, you know, what am I doing in this situation? But but when it's all over, it's the best feeling in the world, and I think that's why we just keep going back towards it, you know. And that's and that's that's how it was. But um, the British middleweight title fight. Uh, what can I say? The weighing on the day, they do me no good because. Um, uh, you know, I mean, they've changed that now. The rules have changed by um, by uh, professional boxing board of control have changed it because it, you know people get weight drained and uh, 
It takes your strength out of you, which that's what it did for me. You know, making the weight on the day, then fighting on the night. That's what it did for me. I was, I was weak, you know. But I, I get a good account of myself against Neville Browns. He was, he was a good, he was a good, um, he was a good fighter. He was one of the best amateurs England have ever produced, and he was also a well-rated fighter. You know, so I was fought for a British title. I was fighting a well-rated fighter. So if I'd have had to just fight somebody normal British standard, I'd have probably probably won it. Like you know, but having to fight a well-rated fighter, it was only beat by Steve Collins. You know, if you know your boxing, you know. So you know, it wore too bad. To be honest, it wore a bad. Um, you know, it wore a bad. Uh, you know, it was a good good effort, even though I was, you know I lost on a cutoy. You know, he pulled me out that day after after seven. It was um, it was too. You know, I couldn't have, I couldn't have gone on. You know, what I mean, it was it was like you know, it was it was pretty bad, and it was it was bleeding bad. To be honest, uh, yeah. Some people have got Steve Oldsworth from the Boxing News. Um, uh, got me in from from Eurosport. Someone got me behind, but it, you know, it don't, have you got that clip, Kelvin? You want to put that on just so just so people can just have a little watch of some of the some of the stuff. Enjoy that. I'm still working on it. I've got a few more things to to add to it, but um, so yeah, you know this 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 boxing. You know it was it, you know it's in my blood. It's I, lo I loved it. You know um, I loved everything, and I just fought for the British middleweight title. Um, and then like you know everything was like the, the world at my feet. To be honest, um, I was boxing for Mickey Duff. He was like the number one promoter. Um, then like I was um, I had offers from Matchroom. Uh, and how I managed to go to Matchroom was uh, I had an offer to go and spar with Chris Eubank uh, while he was on his world tour. Um, Chris Eubank, we all know, like he's a was a, a really good world champion, you know. And um, I went to I went along to Brighton to to spar with him. Um, I the first the first week I got there, he um, he was he was all right. Eubank was he he day stand all messing about like with a with a you know he tried to pull it on you. He tried to he tested you. So like I got there, the, I got there the first day. He was like shadow boxing in the ring. Like you have to just get changed and get in the ring, you know, which is really intimidating stuff for anybody who knows anything. You know what I mean? And uh, I just, I just got changed, got in the ring, and just spied six rounds straight off. And he, you know, he tried to, t he tried to take me out to see whether I could cope or not, you know. But um, like I said, nobody ever knocked me out. Nobody ever would, you know what I mean? But he, he tried, and you know, he, uh, he couldn't. And. Uh, and I'd done the first week on my own, yeah, before any, before, before they brought any other sparring partners in, you know. And um I liked it, I liked it. But and uh, Chris Eubank said to said to Barry Hearn that yeah, Andy Flew's the best sparring partner I've ever had. Uh, he said he'll be a world champion. Um and you know, so Barry Hearn come down to come down to the gym to watch a spar. Uh and Chris Eubank being Chris Eubank, you know, we come down to watch his spar. And uh, Barry Ian comes down in his, his uh, you know, his, his limousine and his stuff and all, you know, and, and we get in the ring to spar like that. And Chris Eubank don't throw a punch. Do you know what I mean? He's just that sort of guy, ain't he? Like, you know what I mean? Expected me to force it, you know. But um, so I don't throw a punch either. You know what I mean? So I stood, up, stood back as well because I thought, you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to draw me in, like, you know. But uh, he, was a, he was a character, you know what I mean? And, and we, we got on well. And uh, I, was, I was sporting partner for all, nearly all of his fights. But while I was while I was sparring partner for all of his fights, you know, I was I was I was drinking every night, you know, after the training. I don't make no excuses. Look, I did what I did. I don't say, uh, you know, I'd have been a world champion if I did this and I did that. I did what I did, and I enjoyed what I did at the time, you know. Um, and uh, but you know, the drink, 
it did affect me then that, like that much. It was like I could I could still spar with Chris, hold my own, and um and and go out and drink every night and stay out till two three o'clock in the morning and you know and 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 live that sort of life and then get up in the morning, I'd run to the pier, run back down, have my breakfast, get in bed, shower, um and then back 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 for sparring. And I could do it. It was it was it was you know I could do it because I was younger. You know the other sparring partners, what was coming into camp. They was just getting beat up and sent home on the first, you know, a lot of them, about four or five of them come in on the first day and they got sent home, you know, they, they just couldn't cope because he, he used to put it on you because if you go cope, you get somebody what can, you know. And, um, you know, it was it was tough, it was tough, but, you know, I, I, I enjoyed every bit of it, to be honest. And, um, bef- you know, then I was sporting sp- part for Nigel Ben, uh, you know, that was another good experience. Nigel Ben didn't spar lightly either, that was... That was a. Uh, it was the same. Um, you know, it was. It was. They just. They don't. They don't hold back. It was just full. Full out. You know. It was. It was just like a, a fight with with uh, with Ed Gordon. You know. That was all it was. And then uh, you know, I was asked to go and spar with Joe Kalzaki as well. And uh, that was the same. I'd done that on my own as well. You know. You normally need two or three guys to keep getting in and out, in and out. You know. But um, what they try and do, they try and cut back on expenses and money and you know on wages and that's how they try and, you know. Cut the sparring partners down. I remember once I went to spar with uh, Henry Wharton, who was a former world title challenger. He lost to Eubank and he lost to Ben. And uh, I went to Leeds and uh, I just drove, ju- drove ju- ju- jumped in my car, drove up to Leeds, jumped out of the car, got in, got to the gym, got changed, and got straight in the ring with him. And um, I was more than holding me on with him, like. And then I, you know, they showed me to me to me hotel. Then like, the next day, I done the same with him again, and I was getting I was getting the better of him. So, you know, and then uh, the next the next time I sparred, I, I held back a little bit because I thought, you know, that I'm going to think I'm trying to, you know, take, take the mic here, like. But um, then when we got downstairs to go and weigh in, like after training, I noticed that he was like uh, like a few pound over the weight, seven pound over. So I thought he's going to struggle to bring his weight down and spar with me. So they come up with an excuse that he'd hurt his shoulder, you know. and um, But I knew the real reason that he was... He was struggling with me, to be honest, and uh, they tried to fob me off and say, um, you know, Henry's hurt his shoulder, you can't spar. So they tried to cut back on the money, but I got, you know, and they only want to pay me for what I'd done. But I got on the phone to Mickey Duff and I said, look, I said, I've come here uh, and you've got to pay me for the, for, for the, for the whole week, you know, which I did, I got the money, you know what I mean? But um, that's, that's how it was with sparring. When you're a sparring partner as well, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you can't let them push it about. You can't let them use it, and you know, you're there to do a job. You know, and that's how it was. I was there to do a job, and I did my job well. And if they don't pay me or whatever, you know, I made sure that I got it. Like, you know, and that went on like that for a few years. I sparred with, uh, I sparred with, with with that many, that many people. I've got a bit of a, a list here of some some of the because some of the lads I sparred with. It's uh. Being a, these lads here on the front will know being boxers like either fought them or sparred them, you know. And like it's, uh, I mean, the first world champion I, spot, I, I did was Raymond Garby the, from Cuba, you know. Then there's like Joe Kalzaki, Nigel Ben, Chris Shubank, Robin Reed. I fought him at short notice. Richie Woodall, I sparred with him. His dad pulled him out. I was too much for him. Marcus Bayer, I lost on points to him in Austria, but when I sparred with him in, in um, Cologne, I knocked him out. Seven Odka, he was he was busy, but the, I won the I won the first round of the fight, and then they took the points off me. Chris Poyet, he was a he was a good 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 fighter. Glenn Catley, I fought him at a week's notice. Norbert Nuroba, 
don't rate him at all. You know, I just um, took the fight at short notice. You know, and all these, all these, I'm like world championships. You know, championship level, the highest you can get. Right? You know, and the popping the good names, and like the the, the title challengers like Henry Wharton, Hello Graham, Neville Brown, Lefki Keski, Daniel Hausela. You know, I mean, them, them, them lads, you know, you know, you're boxing. You know what I mean? And I just used to turn up and just go. You know, I mean, I'd either spar or I'd fight them. You know what I mean? And that's, you know, that, that I was just fearless. I was just absolutely fearless. You know, and I did all this. I did all this while I was still dabbling with the drink. You know, I really did because, you know, I, I used to think I was invincible and I could do everything. You know, I was thinking I'm not, you know, cocksure of myself. People used to say I was arrogant. People used to say I was, um, you know, cocky a bit. You know, but I, I think that you had to have that sort of mentality when you're doing that that sort of job. What I was doing, you know, boxing was my job. You know, it was my career. You know, but. Um, you know, I mean, on on there, on there, it looked look, you know, looked great. But beyond the scenes and all the stuff that goes on with it, you know, it's uh, if you if you don't get the right the, like the right notice for a fight, or if you don't get the right manager, you don't get the right thing. Oh, there's there's a lot, that much that much stuff that goes on, you know. And and there's lots of fighters what ain't as good as yourself. What what, what win titles and get better, but it's just the way the the look of the draw goes sometimes. You know, that's just the way it goes. But um, I mean, it looked all great on there. But really, beyond the scenes, I was shadow boxing with with alcoholism. Um, you know, I really was. Uh, you know, the, I, I just I just liked the taste. You know, that drinking did. Um, I liked I liked the light night. I liked going out. I liked the party style. You know, um, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And um, you know, I started taking cocaine as well, so I could stay out longer. You know, and stuff like that. You know, and. Um, you know, and, and for a few years, for a few years, I was able to control it. I was able to control it. You know, I was, I was, I was in control um, of, of of my drinking. I just, used, you know, you know, I thought I could beat it myself. I thought I was okay. You know, and um, sort of like when my career starts comes to an end, sort of thing. You know, um, you know, the drinking is getting out of hand a bit. You know, it's getting to, it's getting, it's getting from. From like being a social drinker to a binge drinker, then it's becoming in, into like a problem drinker, and then it got to the stage where you know I was a problem drinker, and every time I went out, I was I was getting in all sorts of scrapes and, and things. It starts off just steady, like you know, just smashing your car up, stuff like that, getting out, run off, uh, f fighting. I got stabbed three times in the back while I was street fighting, all sorts, fell over, and you know, all sorts of things happened to me. I got run over. You know, all sorts. I broke me back. I walked. I, you know, once I, I, I was. I felt. I felt through a roof, drunk, and uh, I, I was walking around for two weeks with a broken back. You know, I was just drunk and oblivious just for two weeks. I was just walking around, just drunk for two weeks. That's because I never. As I fell through the roof and broke me back, I never felt the pain because I was that drunk. You know, and, uh, they put me. The, the, the ambulance come and put a mask on me. And uh, you know, this was in Tenerife. This was. You know, and then, and then as soon as the back was turned, I was up, boom, out, I was off, so I could go and get a drink, you know, and that's, and that's how it did. Even my dad come over to try and talk some sense into me and everything, but it was, it was no good, I couldn't get none of it, you know. It was no, it was no good, I was left there. Uh, the girl locked me in, locked me in an apartment to, to, for me to sob, sob me up, you know, it was, it was that bad. Like, I was, you know, the, once, once it had got, got out of me, um, once, I'd, once I'd started on that, on that you know, it was the tenth drink or the twentieth drink. I learned this now. You know, it was the first drink. What did he? You know, because once you're an alcoholic, 
Um, you know, there's no operation other day, nothing what can change you. You know, it, it, you know, and you don't get to become an alcoholic boy. Uh, you know, you ain't born being an alcoholic. You know, it's it, it, it comes by just keeping on drinking. And it's when your body's had a psychological and a physical uh, change, and there's no operation what can put it right. But you put that one drink in you, that's it, it sets you off. It sets a chemical off in your body called acetone, and that, ac that acetone sets you off where you can't stop. And that's how it was, that's how, that's how it got me, you know. And, um, you know, I went through that many, that many things. I remember my dad coming to my house once, you know. Um, you know, my dad's been my trainer. He's like, he's like my best mate. He's my trainer. He's been through all my fights. He's been through everything. And he couldn't understand, you know, what, what was happening with me, you know. And I remember him, he says, you're right going out this house. And he'd come down to my own house, you know, and he locked me in the house, you know. But as soon as his back was turned, I went straight up the bedroom window. And jumped out and jumped out the bedroom window with no shoes and socks on, and just run off to go and get a drink. You know, that's that's you know that's how bad it was. You know what I mean? That's that's how bad it was. And then I could, you know, the only time I'd managed to stop is my own body had stopped me. I'd, I'd physically drink that much till I could not move, till I could not drink anymore. You know, and that's 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 how it got. You know, and that went on. I went like that for years. And every time I had a drink, it was like a breakdown. So in no matter of time at all, I'd gone from being a local hero to being a local drunk, if you understand what I mean. You know, I'd be, you know, and, and, and that is, is absolutely, you know, you know, it's, it's, de it's demoralizing. And then when I was, and then to, to, to get locked up all the while, you know, the police was at the arse all the while, you know, and then to go into prison, prison sentences. I went to prison in 2011, 2012, 2013, you know, so like I fell a great height, you know what I mean? And I lost, I lost my family, I lost my wife, you know, who I'd been together with. Uh, a bit raw, that is. Um, you know, I lost my wife, I'd been together from the age of 12. And you, you, you know, my children, I said, Daddy, stop drinking. And then um, I said, okay, okay, I'll try. But you know what I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Even for my youngest daughter, I couldn't do it. You know, um, and uh, sorry, it's, it's you know, it's all right, it's still it's still a bit raw, you know what I mean? Um, and I couldn't, you know, I just couldn't. But you know, I kept trying to beat it on, in, in in my own strength, and I kept trying. I thought, you know, maybe the f I've always been a you know a tough bloke, hard bloke, you know, fighter. I thought, I, I, you know. I'll sort this out, you know. And um, my sister Beverly, I said, will you come to Alcoholics Anonymous with me? Um, I said, come to AA. And, and, you know, and I said, and I, and I just went with an open mind today. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be told what to do on a day, you know. And I sat in the meeting with the, with the alcoholics and I listened to their story, you know, and what they all shared and spoke. I don't know what to expect when I got there. And I thought, you know, I thought, I ain't as bad as them. You know, if I was as bad as them, I'd stop. You know, and they, I don't really take much notice, but they talked about a higher power. You know, they talked about a higher power, and I just think higher power. What's that about? You know, and that's and that, you know, but some of it stuck with me from then. But um, I don't, I don't go again for a, for quite a bit. But when I went back again, when I did go back again, I was as bad as or as worse than all the all the people in the room. My story was worse. I'd done this and done that and lost this and lost that, you know. And, and it got to the stage where I was just sat in a room just drinking bottle after bottle after Jack Daniels after Jack Daniels. And I, I'd be sick into a pint glass. 
and I'd drink the sick just because it was pure alcohol. You know, that's how bad it was. You know what I mean? It was just that, that you know, to see somebody who was like such a strong fighter, you know, boxer, tough bloke, you know what I mean? To get to like a shivering alcoholic wreck. You know what I mean? It was, it was, you know, it was destroying for me, Dad. It broke his heart. You know what I mean? It really broke his heart. And uh, all the people around me and that, you know. But um, I, I just, I, and, and this book, you know, this book, I started writing this book six years ago, you know, this book. I never, you know, I was broken and I was addicted and, you know, and uh, this book just come around by my girlfriend um, just to, started to try and self-help myself, you know, because you know, I was a shivering, broken wreck. And I said, they said, just try, try and start writing some of the world champions you've been in the ring with because that's the man you are, you know, not this broken, alcoholic, drug addict wreck. Because when I used to take the drugs as well, I'd sniff a gold gram of cocaine up one nostril, then I'd sniff tequila up the other nostril. You know, I'd got to do everything to the extreme. When I used to take the crack cocaine, I was take a, I'd, I'd, I'd do a grand a day. I blew 150 grand in no time. All the money that I made, and all the stuff that I did, I'd done really, really well. I had houses, property abroad, everything, all sorts of houses, everything. It was all, all went because of my addictions. You know, it was just absolutely destroying for the people to, to, to be around you, to, to see, you know. And that's how bad it was. And, I, you know, I thought I could, you know, try and, and you know, and, and, and I kept having some bits of sobriety, some relapses, some this, some that. You know, and it just absolutely destroyed me. And then I thought the only way for that out of this is just out. I just got to kill myself because I call, I call go on no more. I call go on. And um, you know, I, I used to hold the Bible and just because they talked of a higher power. I used to hold the Bible and go to sleep, like trying, trying just lie there, just I just holding. And I used to think to myself, if I don't get better, I'm just going to kill myself because because and, and I felt, I felt at ease, like, to get out of the pain, that there was a way out, that there was a way out, you know, that's that's how I felt, I thought, I, you know, I could just, there's a way out of this, I ain't got to keep going through this, and then, um, you know, the one day, I, I, you know, I'd been on a, a drinking session, and I'd, I tried, I just took enough tablets, just to just enough to kill an elephant, and I just, and I just, you know, that was it, I, I'd had enough, I couldn't cope no more, I was crying, I was thinking of my children, I was thinking of everything, all the stuff that had happened, uh, you know, all, this, all the all, all the stuff that had gone out in my life, and you know, what, what, what I had and what I'd lost and what I'd become and, you know, and everything else. And I just, I just wore thinking straight. I was just totally gone, deluded by drinking drugs and, and everything. And, you know, obviously everything was just on top of me too much. But I, and I can still still pitch, like still feel the pain from, from that, you know. And then anyway, you know, I tried, I tried that and, you know, that, that, that really... Uh, I was I was found. Uh, Angela found me, and I woke up in the hospital, um, and they pumped a solution into me, into me, into my arm. What saved my life? They pumped a solution to stop the, the tablets and all the stuff um, killing me. But even the, you know the crisis team spoke to me, and you know and they says, look, you, you know we've got, more more or less, it says you want to stop wasting our time, and that really put put me off, like put me on a bit of a. Oh, you know, so what did I do? I went straight out of the hospital and started drinking again. As soon as I just come out of that, you know, and um, you know, I was really in such, you know, like I says on there, I was in hell. This is a boxer's journey from hell to Christianity. You know, I'm telling you, I was in hell, and I tell you, and uh, you know, I just, uh, I just carried on with that with alcoholics and I was trying to relapse, bit of sobriety, relapse, 
The only time I could get sober, like I said, was, like, was when I drunk that much that I couldn't physically stop no more, physically take any more. And I used to have to just stay in the house because I was that, somebody like me, I was that scared to go out the house. I was that scared. Like, I, I, just, just, I just used to stay in the same clothes for two weeks, never washed, never shaved, never nothing. It was just that bad. You know what I mean? It was just, it was, it was, it, it was destroying, man. And my head, my head was just in such a, such a mess, you know. And um, you know, I carried, I managed to, you know, go back to AA a couple of times, and like this higher power thing had stuck, stuck in my mind, you know, because I just thought, you know, you know, I just kept thinking, I've got to try and, you know, we're back on. Oh, that's better, ain't it? But um, yeah, I carried on with this Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and this higher power thing stuck in my mind, um, you know. And this, this, uh, I carried on. I was told I'd got to do ninety meetings in ninety days. You know, um, I did that. You know, I, I, you know, I, I relapsed a couple of times. I did that again a couple of times. And I remember, I remember once managing to do six months sobriety. I'd done six months. You know, and I thought I've cracked it. I'm all right. You know, I thought I'm all right now. You know, and. Um, Somebody pushed a drink me away, uh, and that was it. I was off again. That was it. And the, the, the binge lasted for nearly a month. You know, um, just I think I drank about eighty bottles of wine um, so, yeah, on that on that one session. About eighty bottles of wine. Um, you know, and that, that's 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 how much it was. Uh, you know, I, I went to bushy fields. Um, you know, I went to see psychiatrists. I went absolutely everywhere. You know, to try and to try and get over this. You know. And for the, you know, for the, for a time, you know, I thought I was getting better. I was getting better, but you know, that old devil is on your shoulder, eh? All the while, going, "Have a drink, have a drink." You know, he was there all the while, saying, "Have a drink." You know, and so that was, and that's what happened. So it to be another relapse again, another relapse, another relapse. And uh, my last drink, got to tell you this, my last drink was in was on twenty um, eighth of. Uh, uh, yeah, but 28th of October 2015, because I'd, I'd gone to a boxing event um, as a guest, um, you know, uh, and, and somebody pushed a drink me away, um, and uh, that drink lasted for nearly two weeks. That drink did lasted for nearly two weeks, uh, and I was just that was the same. I was just stuck in the house, and uh, I was just back, just drinking um, bottle after bottle after bottle after bottle, and just you know it was that bad. Um, it, my missus Angela I don't know what to do. I found John Crampton and Steve from from Sedgley Church to come and pray for me. You know, and um, I was that bad. I was on death's door again. You know, again. You know, again. How many times I was on death's door? You know, how many times have I pulled back from 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 near death experiences? You know, from being stabbed, from being run over, from being broken back. Another. You know, that many times I nearly lost my life. You know what I mean, and 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 this this was the same. This this was you know this was this this was the same, but they prayed for me, um, and then they left, and then um, I remember just dropping on my knees and just saying to God, saying to God, God, if you're real, you know, if you're real, and you take my addictions away from me, I'll follow for the rest of my life. You know, and then I, that's what he did. You know, that's what he did. I never had another drink again. You know that is the that is the truth, and that 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 day was the twenty eighth of October, two thousand and fifteen, and then not long after that, um, I got baptized. John Crampton organised a, a baptism for me, um, 
you know, and uh, the baptism was the best day of my life. It was the best thing I ever did. And, you know, this tattoo on my arm here, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 18, a new creation, that is what it made me. That baptism made me a new creation. And I'll tell you, all the old's gone and the new is here. And, the, and that, that's me, you know. And, you know, you know, that devil that was on my shoulder, that's just gone. That's just been totally lifted away. That's just totally gone, you know. And, uh, you know, I go around the country now, talking everywhere. You know, it's nothing I did. It's what God did. You know, I don't do anything. I don't ask for none of this. What I wanted to do was stop drinking, you know. And with a book named Jesus in my corner, that's, he's, he's, he's permitted that book to be there, you know. I mean, I'm going on gospel TV, TBN. It's all what he did. Last, yesterday I was in, um, Leslie, I was in Stoke-on-Trent. Last week I was in West Ham. You know, I'm, I'm just, before Christmas in Edinburgh, God's just using me so much. But all, you know, because I've done a talk the other week about some, some other addicts. And he says, how come God's answered your prayers and he ain't answered mine? And I just said to him, I says, your heart's got to be right. I says, when I, when I asked him into my life, and I, and I asked him to be my Lord and Saviour, and I'll follow him for the rest of my life. He knew I meant it. You know, he knew I meant it. You know what I mean? So, if, you know, if anybody's here who wants the same thing as what I've got, you know, to just just mean it. When you, I said to the, I said to the, the guy, the drug addict, I says, well, you need to change your prayers and change your heart. I said, because if you're still sitting on the fence and thinking that you're dabbling and thinking you ain't, you know, you, you can't, I said, you can't trick God. There ain't no trick in him. You know what I mean? I said, I, I said, he, he, he sees into your heart and he sees into your actions, you know, and, see, and sees everything. He's here now with us now. He's here now, you know. And I just want to encourage everybody to just, everybody, he, God does save me because I'm a boxer. He does save me because of that. He could save me because my heart's right. God's got a purpose for all of us in this room, every single one of us. You know, every single one of us, God can use every single one of us. There's no, there's no favoritism with being a Christian, with Christianity. There's none at all. You know, we're all equal. You know what I mean? God loves every single one of us. You know, and I want to just encourage you today to just, if you're going through anything, or, you know, you ain't got to be an addict. You, ain't, you can have a perfect life. You know, but I'll tell you, it's better with God in it. It's better with Jesus in it. You know what I mean? And, I'll, you know, and this, this, this story is just, you know, there's, there's, there's not like God is my source now of everything. You know, I'd keep him first place. And I used to, you know, I used to watch TBN and listen to Joel Olstein. He used to say, "Keep God first place; He'll take your places more than you could get yourself." You know, when I first started watching that, you know, I used to, I used to think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's sold something in my mind, and that's what's happening with me. Like, you know, and that can happen with anybody. You know, we're all equal in God's eyes. But um, I hope you got something from that. And if you know, if anybody wants a book. I'm ten quid. There's more. There's more to it. There. I wrote the book myself. I don't know ghostwriter. I wrote it myself. Just crying off the time and just, you know, just 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 putting words, and it turned into a book. I believe God wrote the book for me. Jesus. Jesus definitely. Got, you know, he he helped me write that book. You know, what I mean, it's it's reached so many people. I've had people send me messages of ladies who've bought the book, mothers who've bought the book for their sons, and the and the sons have been healed. By, they've stopped drinking and they've stopped taking drugs by reading that book. And there's a prayer in the back of that book, and all you got to do is just say that prayer and mean it, and then, and then you're saved. That's all you got to do. You know, you know what I mean. And you know what? People pay thousands and thousands of millions of pounds for rehabs all around the world. You know what? You know what? This is free. This is absolutely free. All you got to do is just get your heart right and just commit to God. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Andy Flute.